This podcast is brought to you by Hostfully. We make property management software and digital guidebooks. Using Hostfully, you can create a free guidebook for your property that works on any mobile device. To learn more and sign up for our industry newsletter, please visit Hostfully.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Josefa Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 Welcome to podcast episode 325, where me and Eric talk about what's going on this week. So what's up, Eric? Well, yeah, man. So you're uh, you're in Amsterdam. That was uh, one of the most interesting journeys I've ever done, going from uh, going from Los Angeles to Amsterdam. I mean, normally that would just be a pretty normal flight for me to take, but... Uh, you know, with uh, with all the stuff going on uh, with the coronavirus, it was uh, it was a pretty interesting journey. I can imagine, man. Um, what, what was that like? What happened? Were you the only one traveling? No, um, there were, there was a bunch of people on the plane, but uh, they yeah they created some uh, some systems to to make sure that uh, people you know pe- people keep their distance and everything. Um, so first of all they they gave everybody uh um masks uh mm. you know so at the check-in they said not not at the check-in like when you walk into the plane they gave they gave everybody a mask um but even before that it was it was so strange to be in an airport like as big as los angeles and there was hardly any people there uh, i mean i think there was like less than 10 flights going out uh you know everything was just so um you know, there was so much few people like going walking through TSA. There was just nobody there. It was literally just me walking through, uh, which was uh, which was a really strange experience. I kept feeling like it was in the middle of the night because you know, have, have you ever traveled at like three a.m. or something, and then the airport is like really empty? Yeah, yeah, it's scary. Yeah, so that's 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 kind of the flashbacks that I that I kept having was. Uh, was flashbacks from times that I would travel in the middle of the night, but this was a uh, this was like a twelve thirty p.m. flight, right? Mm. Um, also, going up to the airport, I mean, there was there was no traffic. There was like, you know, everything was was so quiet. Um, so yeah, it was it was interesting experience, man. I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, I was even worried that the flight might get canceled last minute. And uh, but yeah, they gave everybody uh, the masks. They did a lot of announcements before everybody entered the plane. People were saying like, "Hey, you know, you have to stand in line, keep your distance." Um, they divvied up the, the the boarding process into a lot of different steps, um, mm. so they only had a few people at a time in line to check in. And then also they uh, they closed off all the aisle seats, so only the middle seats and the window seats were available. Oh, interesting. Yeah was it was it pretty much full all the way down except for those middle seats? No, no. I mean, I think everyone Very had sparse. an entire row. Mm. Yeah, everybody had an entire row. I think only the only people that were sitting in the same row was the people that were traveling together. 
Um, but it was, I mean, there was tons of rows that were completely empty. Uh, and this was a big plane. So, uh, so yeah, there was a, there was a ton of space, but yeah, as I, I was, uh, as I was saying, like the, the biggest challenge was really to, uh, that we had to keep the, the mask on the whole flight. And so I don't know, have you mm. ever had a mask on for like 10 hours? Yeah. When I was in the construction field, man, we used to have to wear those things all day long. And, you know, I, I, I talked to my cousin who's a ER uh, nurse and she has to wear those for like 12, 15 hours. And it's like cutting into her nose and underneath her eyes and all that. And, and the breathing, I'm sure it's, it's freaking difficult. Happy year travel um, went well. Sounds like a crazy, crazy experience. And it's, uh, it's been a crazy week, man. It's been a, it's been an intense week, not only, you know, with you traveling out there, all of us were kind of like, oh man, what's he, you know, how, how that, how's that experience going to be for him? Um, but also, you know, in the world of Airbnb and short-term rentals, it's been a, it's been a freaking insane week. Um, one of the things that we have that I wanted to talk to you about and try to get your, your opinion and just your thoughts around it is, um, you know, the news that that's been going on with Airbnb, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of different things that's happening with Airbnb, but number one biggest news, in my opinion, um, you know, the amount of money that they just raised during this crisis that they're going on. Right. So they just announced it yesterday. Um, so that was what April 8th, I think it was April 7th, April 8th, uh, Airbnb closed, uh, $1 billion in funding, uh, to their company through, uh, Silver Lake. Um, like in Six Street Partners, who uh, those companies also invested a billion dollars into Twitter not too long ago, which is so these uh, obviously big time players. But yeah, they raised they they raised a billion dollars of equity and debt for their company. So obviously crazy times, right? Like their company, you know, this is the first time that uh, Airbnb has got affected this bad as a as a company itself. And even in this crisis, they figured out how to raise a billion dollars. Um, I'm unclear on what they're using that money for, if it's just cash that they're sitting on. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on Airbnb raising that, that money right now? Well, there's a, there's a couple of things that are interesting, right? So Airbnb pre-crisis was uh, valued at $31, $31 billion. I think that was the valuation uh, that was attached to their, their uh, most recent raise. Um, yeah. According to Skift, and Skift is usually pretty well informed, uh, the, the current valuation um, based on this one billion dollars that they just raised is eighteen billion. So it mm. it went down by about forty percent their valuation. Um, oh. Wow. And as a yeah, so that's one interest. That's one thing that's interesting to note. Uh, the second thing that's interesting to note is that apparently they Airbnb pays a ten percent interest rate plus the LIBOR rate. And so the LIBOR rate, for those who don't know what that is, that's the that's the the interest rate uh, from uh, that's being charged. Um, I believe it's on European uh, overnight lending between banks. It's basically I think it's <coughs> zero right now, um, so it doesn't add anything to the. Uh, I don't think it adds much to the ten percent. Um, it might have, it might actually be negative even. Uh, I have to mm. look it up, but uh, you can you can Google this if if this is something that you're interested in. LIBOR, uh, LIBOR interest rates. So um, 
So that's interesting because that rate can change. So I don't know exactly how that's mm -hmm. going to factor into it, but 10% seems to me like a pretty, you know, a pretty decent, uh, pretty high interest rate. Plus, um, I think they get some sort of, some sort of, uh, some sort of terms on that as well, where they can, where they can get some equity uh, out of the deal as well. But um, I'm, I didn't see any details on that exactly. So, yeah, 10% so there, quite a bit. That's a lot. And I, I'm curious if that, because it is a mix of debt and equity, right? So I, I'm curious how much they're actually spending that 10% on. What's the amount that they're actually, is it 10% on a billion dollars? Because that's a lot of freaking money. Well, it's 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 10% on 1 billion, right? So um, I don't see any details about how much, if they're giving them any equity. Um, but I think they, I think they probably are. But um but those details I, I don't see. But uh, what I do see is uh, that in the same article in Skift, they talk about the the revenue. Airbnb's revenue is projected to fall fifty four percent this year to around two point two billion dollars. Uh, and and uh, Chesky had already told employees that he expects to chop eight hundred millions from the company's marketing spent in two thousand twenty. Uh, another thing that's interesting is that in two thousand nineteen. Airbnb didn't make a profit because they spent so much money on, on marketing. And so mm. my take on this whole raise is I just think, I think that obviously they're not, you know, they're making, they're not making money right now, uh, but they got a giant overhead, right? They, they got a lot of employees. They have a lot of expenses. And so, you know, I think they're, they, they're probably getting a little nervous. They, they want to, you know, they want to make sure that they have enough cash to, to sit out this storm. Um, and I think that's why they, they raised all that money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they needed to do something. What what I found really interesting is the timing of the raise and how fast it went through. So obviously, they haven't um, they haven't released too much details about the actual raise, but they put this together during the the toughest time of their company. Obviously, the drop in valuation um, is very attractive for for uh, investors because they know that this is a short term play. Right, like this is a, it's a short-term disruption to Airbnb's valuation. Um, plus, going into the next topic that I wanted to talk about is their new shifts, their new pivots in their company. One thing that I really like about uh, Airbnb is how fast they pivot and how fast they roll out new topics and new um, new parts of their business. So making the move to raising a billion dollars was really awesome. And I'm sure that they're going to dump a lot of that into just kind of maintaining their their business um, and then investing pretty heavily into um, uh, uh, advertising, of course. But then two is their new pivots, right? And I, had, I was talking to a uh, hotel owner yesterday. He was asking me questions like, hey, what, what, do, we, what do you think that Airbnb's where do you think they're heading? What are they going to start tapping into? And and I said, I'm like, you know, my opinion, I think that they're going to try to take over the long-term rental uh, sector, you know, like creating what they created for short-term rentals and for long-term rentals and medium-term rentals. And uh, they just released yesterday that they're making three new pivots within their company, which is pretty pretty freaking awesome. One is that they are now entering the long-term um, stays. So they, um, they, they were saying that 80% of hosts right now are um, taking long-term stays, which is pretty cool. 
Um, and 50, um, the amount of long-term or medium-term stays are up 50% currently right now on their platform. So they're releasing three new um, features on, the, on Airbnb. If you go to airbnb.com and you can check it out, they're releasing long-term stays. So you could just click in there and see what's available for long-term stays. Two is online experiences. So they're, which I thought was really interesting and no one's really been talking about that. They switched from experiences, regular experiences to now online experiences. And I'm assuming they're just now a platform streaming uh, events or whatever, whatever that looks like. Uh, and then three is the frontline stays, right? So targeting medical experts that are in needs, uh, need of uh, need of home. So really interesting. Now Airbnb is entering into long-term and medium-term stays. I'm curious what you think that's going to have, a, what type of impact that's going to have on Airbnb and then what kind of opportunities that's going to open up for a lot of people. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I, obviously I, I've traveled a lot. Uh, I've been, pretty much been nomadic uh, for eight years in the last decade. Uh, and mm-hmm. the challenge that I always had was how do I find a place to stay for like two or three months, right? So if you go on Airbnb and you book a place on Airbnb for two or three months, usually you're, you end up paying quite a lot of money because, you know, because hosts uh, can make a lot of money short term, right? So... So I always find it a challenge to to find a good place to stay for like a mid a midterm stay, and there yeah. there wasn't there wasn't really like a platform for that, right? It was either you book a short stay, but then you book it for two months, or you go on the local websites, right? You go on the on the Greg's lists or the you know whatever local sites that uh, that countries and cities have for uh, for long term rentals or for you know subleases and stuff like that. But that's take, that takes a little a bit of time, you know. Um, you know, if you find, if, if you want to get a two month lease and you want to find it through those sites, then you're going to spend like a week or two just kind of researching, reaching out to people and, you know, it's complicated. So I, uh, I always opted to go, just go on Airbnb and just try and negotiate a discount, but then I would always end up paying like at least 50% more than, you know, what, what a long-term rental would be. So, so I think, uh, I think it'd be really cool for the the remote community for the digital nomads i think it'd be really cool if uh if if they if they're successful in getting a lot of inventory on their platform for medium to long-term rent uh rents because that for travelers that's just going to make it so much easier to find uh, places to stay for you know a bit longer than uh, like a week or two yeah yeah i i don't know you know me the way that my brain works i I always look at the bigger picture and try to see where is the biggest opportunity with this. And for a very long time, corporate rentals, travel nurses, uh, medium term stays, there's real no main platform for that stuff. And I, I, I had a feeling Airbnb was going to make a move into long-term stays and really just regular housing. Essentially you go to Airbnb for all your housing needs. Um, and watching them tap into this, I see a major opportunity, especially for urban operators right now that are, you know, we talked to some of our legends and most of them are running at 10 to 20% occupancy in most cities. And, you know, it's, it's crazy, crazy times. But what they have is beautiful turnkey properties and all of them are open for medium to 
to long-term stays, but there's no real main platform for it. So seeing, you know, there's a lot of questions I have. Is Airbnb going to be charging the same amount of rates? Um, you know, how are they going to actually be pricing these? Um, because, you know, pricing a long-term rental versus short-term rental, those numbers are, are massively different. So I'm really curious how they're going to roll out new pricing and calendars for uh, for these long-term stays, and is it going to be profitable for a lot of these uh, a lot of these hosts? I see this being a great opportunity for people who own properties, um, as far as owning the equity, real estate investors, landlords, being able to, especially if you're if you're the the type of landlord that buys, renovates, and rents their properties, being able to invest money into furniture and getting it fully furnished and then putting it up on Airbnb for furnished long-term rentals. To me, I think that's such a massive play. I'm just curious how it's going to affect the urban master lease, the operators. Are they actually going to be able to make money or is it just a bandaid over a bullet hole right now? Um, and then two, I'm really curious how this is going to affect the co-host and management um, industry. Right, because now what we're doing is we're taking our properties. Co-hosts in most parts of the country don't necessarily, depending on the state and the city, don't necessarily need a property management license uh, to run short-term rentals as of right now because it's 29 days or less. But the moment that you're managing somebody else's property and you put it up on Airbnb and someone rents it for 90 days or rents it for 120 days, now are you entering into uh, a new legal description of your business model and having to be licensed and go down that process, which is a whole new business. So I don't know. I just, you know, I've been saying this for a long time, uh, a long time, the last few weeks that we've been going through this uh, coronavirus thing is like, this is, I don't think, I don't think what we know is normal is n we're not going to see that ever again. I think we're entering into brand new times when it comes to short-term rentals, long-term rentals, who's in business, who's actually making money, all of that. So I know that was a, a long response to it, but I just see I just see this new, I see Airbnb, if they can figure out how to continue to stay innovative and keep their cash right, um, I see them really disrupting a lot of real estate uh, factors right now. So long-term, short-term, medium-term, um, and now entering into online experiences. I don't know, man. It's kind of, I know there's a lot of people are pretty sour about Airbnb, the company right now, but, um, you know, just putting that emotion aside and looking at the opportunity that they're creating right now, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy to see it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, anybody who hasn't looked at the Airbnb website for a few days, go and look at the website because it looks completely different from what it used to look like. Right. I mean, right now, if you go to the landing page, you'll see, you have four options, places to stay. So that's, that's the that's the old part, so to speak. Monthly stays, experiences, and then online experiences, right? And mm -hmm. I mean, definitely the online experiences is, is something that's really interesting. But what it tells me as well is that, you know, well, there's a couple of things. Number one, Airbnb is really good at innovating and making a move quick, making moves quickly, adapting quickly, yeah. um, as you mentioned. But then also, I guess they they expect that this this crisis is not just going to be a thing that's that that will pass within a few weeks or a few months. Um, I I guess they they are really expecting that this is going to have a long term effect on 
the way that we behave as human beings, right? So mm. I don't know if they were planning these online experiences before the coronavirus hit, uh, but um, but they they put that up so quickly, and 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 doing the online experiences is really something interesting because, you know, I the the one thing that has always appealed to me about the the thing about Airbnb is that it empowers individuals to to create a little business for themselves without having to invest a lot of money, without having to have a lot of entrepreneurial experience. It, it kind of allows everyone to be a little business person, right? It's a, they call mm -hmm. it like micropreneurs, right? That's what I think is really cool about the whole sharing economy. But, you know, the, the cool thing was, you know, initially it was like, okay, you need to have a, a space to do Airbnb, right? You need to have a, a home or even rent. If you, even if you rent a room, you can do it. Um, but now, and, and then experiences came and then I was like, well, you don't even need to have a house to do an experience, you know, you, you just need to create an activity. And, and now with online experiences is you don't even need to get off your couch to, <laughs> to be part of Airbnb, right? You could literally yeah. create anything online. And I'm looking at some of the experiences um, that I see right now. It's, you know, it's like a wine, a wine class, you know, an online wine class. Um, that's, that's pretty cool, you know, uh, to do an online wine class, right? You just, you just buy some wine and, and, and you have somebody, uh, teach you how to taste it and, and stuff like that. Uh, yep. baking experience, secrets of magic. I could just see how, you know, you get, you get with your, your roommates or your partner, your family. And, uh, and you say, Hey, instead of watching a movie, why don't we do a, uh, you know, a cooking class online, an online cooking class tonight. Right. Uh, I could see how that, uh. Uh, that could be really interesting. So, so yeah, so that's, uh, that's what I'm thinking. Hi everybody, it's Margot Schmorak. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Hostfully. We are so happy to be sponsoring this podcast with Jasper in hopes that it helps you during this challenging time. Hostfully helps 17,000 property managers around the world with property management software and digital guidebooks. And even in the midst of these hard times, we're seeing our customers get creative. I thought you might like to hear a few stories from them. One of our customers who's based outside of New York City is changing their rental model and shifting to long-term stays. And despite many cancellations, she was able to get a two-month booking in one of her rentals. Another customer took advantage of this time to do some poignant email marketing, emphasizing that they thoroughly clean the rental after every guest and also implementing a 48-hour waiting period to protect future guests from any potential harm. To hear more stories like these and prepare yourself for this very low, but hopefully very short season, please go to hostfully.com and sign up for our newsletter. We're excited to hear from you. Be well. Who asked this question? Uh, so I think it's Josie just asked, uh, who will be responsible for the long-term agreements, Airbnb or host? So now this is, so one, I love the online experiences. I think obviously that's going to be the future of, I don't know. I just think right now everyone's online. Everyone's looking for an experience. I think that's incredible. I'm already thinking of like some some events that we could put on online educational events through Airbnb. But going back to the long term stays, the monthly stays, looking at that, you know, like the that to me that's such a massive play for them to be able to start tapping into that real estate, essentially that real estate, right? Being able to take over medium to long-term stays on their platform. And then it's questions like this. So thank you, Josie, for asking, um, is like, who will be responsible for those long-term agreements, Airbnb or, or, or the host? Meaning when you 
book someone's property for 90 days, technically in most states, you're now a tenant of that property, right? Because you're there for 30 days or more. So when you're agreeing, are you agreeing to being a guest? Are you being agreeing to be a tenant? There's any any uh, eviction challenges? Is Airbnb going to get involved? So there's a lot of different questions that come along with this that um, I think Airbnb, I don't know if they're covering all of that yet. Um, but as far as the host, I think we all got to be aware of that, of like, um, of instead of just booking it on Airbnb and just allowing somebody to book for 90 days without really going through a checklist of how to protect yourself. Um, meaning don't just rely on Airbnb. We have to go through our own process to kind of, kind of be safe during these times, you know? So I don't know. I just think it's going to be an interesting, interesting play for Airbnb tapping into the monthly stays, tapping into the online experiences. And then of course, supporting, um, you know, the frontline stays as well. So it's going to be interesting. Um, so, so one other thing too, that I wanted to chat with you about, uh, both of us, um, one of our legends shared this with us, uh, at a Philly, uh, Steve out of Philly shared this with us. Um, and once you go into this a, a bit more, you know, there's essentially, there's a letter that's circling right now, um, in Pennsylvania asking Airbnb to take down all listings throughout Pennsylvania during the crisis. Yeah. W- what can you share on that? I got the letter right here in front of me. Uh, uh, Steve was uh, kind enough to forward it on, uh, on WhatsApp. So yeah, it's it's a letter from the Department of Community and Economic Development uh, in Pennsylvania. It's directed to Chris Lahani. Is that how you sp- pronounce his name? Lahani, Lahane, Lahani. Not sure. Um, and and it's basically yeah, it's basically uh, telling uh, telling Airbnb um, to to communicate to their hosts that they need to cease their operations in Pennsylvania. And the letter literally sta- states that uh, that they prefer to to do this in a you know in in a voluntary way. Um, they're literally saying we are hoping to achieve voluntary compliance and wish to avoid enforcement action by the Commonwealth that would cause significant consequences for the offenders. So they're essentially saying like, hey, Airbnb, you guys need to tell your host to stop hosting because if not, you know, we're going to have to take action. We're gonna have to, uh, you know, take legal actions against against these people, and it's you know, obviously that's not uh, that's not their preferred way of, of doing it. So, so yeah, that's that's in Pennsylvania. Um, I think uh, I think now that 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 letter came out, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if more states will follow that. I, I'm surprised Pennsylvania did that, man. Like I expect that from a California, a New Jersey, or a New York. Um, but Pennsylvania, yeah, I, I've, Pennsylvania is usually very um, conservative when it comes to that stuff. So to see that come out of PA is kind of crazy. Um, but what does that mean? They're gonna they're expect they're expecting hosts to completely stop hosting 100%, stop advertising, or else they're gonna send out tens of thousands of fines around the uh, around the state to get people to not host anymore. That seems nuts to me. Um, and a bit, of course, a bit crazy and, and, uh, forceful. And I'm curious to see how Airbnb is going to take that one on. How do you see that really yeah. affecting the, the industry? Well, I'm, I'm also curious to see how, what Airbnb's response is going to be. 
Um, but also, you know, there's a lot of people that need a place to stay right now, right? We talked about travel nurses, we talked about medical professionals, people that are stranded, people that want to isolate themselves. Um, and so, you know, I think it's kind of kind of strange to just shut down everything because where, you know, where are the medical professionals going to stay? How, how are they going to find accommodation? If they can't use Airbnb, like if, or if people are not allowed to, to rent out their places, where, where are those people going to stay? Yeah. And that's something, uh, Margie, uh, just commented on the live here, uh, says that this makes me so mad. So many of us are using our units to help our local communities. And, uh, I mean, Margie, I mean, that's, uh, that's hundred percent accurate. There's so many people, even Steve, who sent us that letter, who's in Philly right now is opening up all of I talked to him the other day. Um, he's opening up all of his units for the local hospitals to su support them. And he's actually donating a lot of his units to them as well, uh, or giving it to them at his break even still booking them through Airbnb. So I'm curious to see like those, obviously that's, that's a, I, mean, I would say in the government's eyes, they're looking at this as like, oh, we need to shut this down just like we're shutting down hotels, right? To kind of prevent the spread. But I don't think they 100% necessarily understand how hosts are pivoting right now to supply uh, or support their communities. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really make a, a lot of sense to me because people are, I mean, I get the idea. I get that, you know, people shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be traveling if they don't need to right now. Um, but essentially what you're doing is you're taking all these resources away from, from the world. There's all these empty spaces. If, if, if people are no longer allowed to rent out their places, there's going to be all these empty spaces. I mean, I don't know how that's going to, that helps us because it's, isn't it better to spread people out over all the homes that we have <laughs> than to shut them yeah. down and have everybody because people are going to stay somewhere. We're not going to sleep on the street. Right? So if I can book a place then I'm going to stay with somebody, right? I'm going to stay with family or friends, et cetera. So uh, I don't see how that helps the world to, you know, to close off part of our living areas, living spaces. No, it's crazy, man. And, you know, another thing too that's coming up, I read the other day is that um, uh, house invasions are up throughout the country, um, throughout the U.S., um, nearly 60% since uh quarantine or stay at stay at home uh has been enforced and a lot of these are coming into vacant homes so they think about it it's like these hosts that have there's thousands of vacant properties right now in each city that are packed full of belongings and and everything else in these properties unfortunately these people understand that these things are empty so there's a lot of uh, home invasions right now happening throughout the country, especially Seattle. It's it's up like 75%, which is kind of crazy. Um, so it just makes me think, I'm like, what is the motivation behind this? And what are we doing? How can we fight and support that? So I think wh what's important about talking about this is like we should know that this is where governments are kind of leading. We have no clue how long these quarantines are going to last, but we have to we have to focus on as a community coming together with solutions and then communicating that back to the uh, decision makers uh, at our local governments, you know, and I think um, how we do that, there's a couple of different ways of doing it. Um, you know, rent responsibly is a big, uh, 
big supporter behind this. Uh, so I love their initiative. But yeah, as a collective, we have to come together and figure out it's like, how do we use our units in a, in a way to actually supply and support this crisis that's happening and support the people that, that are in need uh, due to this crisis and then also protect our properties when they are sitting empty and things are a, a bit kind of crazy in the world right now. Yeah, no, for sure, man. I think, I think a lot of go uh, governments and authorities are not aware of what's actually going on. They don't know that Airbnb hosts are providing their homes to, to medical professionals, like you said, even for free or at cost. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people just associate Airbnb with, with tra leisure travel, right? Vacationing. And, uh, and, and I mean, I got an email from, uh, from my cousin, actually, kind of an angry email saying like, Hey, you know, we're finding this pandemic and, and, and you are helping people to rent out their homes. It's just ridiculous. Um, and it wasn't until I kind of explained to her, like, look, there's a lot of people that need accommodation right now, as we, as we just mentioned. Um, and then she would, she kind of cooled down and she was like, okay, yeah, that, make, that actually makes sense. So, uh, I think, you know, it's, I think a lot of people just associate Airbnb with vacationing and they think, okay, well, people shouldn't travel because we shouldn't go on a holiday right now. So we should shut all that stuff down. So I understand that that's people's, you know, first thoughts. Um, but, and, and so that might be the case for a lot of, uh, local authorities and, and governments as well, that that's, you know, that's their first thought. And somebody needs to explain to them like, Hey, these spaces are, are being used by people who need it. And the host community is really trying to, trying to, uh, to help essentially help the world, uh, deal with this, with this, uh, pandemic. Right. So that's, right. uh, that's why I love the initiative, uh, by, uh, by David Krauss from Rents Responsibly, find the helpers to, um, you know, to put, put this, put this narrative out to the world and, and let the world know that, uh, that the hosts around the world are, uh, most of them are doing what they can to, to, to help, uh, get through the crisis. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. It's, uh, crazy times, man. Crazy times. There's a lot of positive going on. There's a lot of negative and a lot of confusion. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy how quickly things have changed. Literally the world seemed to have changed in, in a month time. And I was just reading, uh, uh some news stories here in, in Holland. Um, and, uh, and, and, and our prime minister just said, uh, that he thinks that, uh, our country needs to get used to the, to a six feet society. Right. So clearly he's, he's, he's indicating that even if people are, the, even if the, the rules around, you know, not, not going out if you don't need to and all of that, if, if those rules are, are being softened and, and people can start going to restaurants again and, and all of that. I think even then we might have to keep in mind these distancing rules for a while, because even if, uh, even we get over the sort of the peak of this, of this crisis, um, you know, this, this virus isn't going to be completely gone. Right. And they're not going to have a vaccine any, anytime soon vaccine. Mm. Uh, um, so, so we might actually have to live with the social distancing thing for quite a while. Um, so mm. yeah, it's kind of nuts how it came out of nowhere. So, um, although, you know, uh, there's, there's documentaries about pandemics and, you know, you go on Netflix right now and this, this movie from the late nineties, like outbreak is very popular. Everyone's watching that. And there's a documentary about the pandemics. So if you watch those documentaries, then you realize that there are a lot of scientists and, and, um, and authorities that have been kind of, you know, 
that know that this is something that can happen. And of course, it's happened before. Like 1918, the, the Spanish flu was, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm not an expert on, on, on the 1918 uh, Spanish flu, but it seems like that was the sort of the last time it was as severe as it was as it, as it is. Yeah, I'm reading the number now. I mean, it, it was it, 50 million people on a global global basis um, from 1918 to 1920 died from the Spanish flu, right? And it was very similar to this as far as how it, how it spread. Um, and that's a massive percentage of the amount of population that was on, on the planet at the time. So, yeah, it's, um, I think, you know, it's scary times. I think, you know, watching that stuff and reading all this other stuff, you know, scares the, scares the crap out of us. Um, you know, but yeah, I think it's, I think for a very long time, we're going to see, you know, the stay at home locked in. I think people are going to be really nervous about traveling. Um, so yeah, man, no, I agree. It's, it's crazy times. I think it's going to last for a bit and I'm just really hoping that as an industry, we'll be able to pull out of this stronger than how we got into it. Ben, you want to tell them about what's happening on Tuesday next week? Yeah, we're doing a training on uh, on VAs, right? So one of our legends, uh, Rebecca, is coming in. Uh, she uh, she's been at both our legends events, and uh, she's done an incredible job building a a business with I think up to 150 units in Los Angeles. Um, and what really blew my mind is that when I heard that she, I think she only had one full time employee. Um, mm -hmm. And she was able to, the way that she was able to do that was by, by not just hiring a VAs, but she had a, she has an incredible system to teach those VAs. I think she has over 300 instruction videos and she just built such an efficient system about, you know, how do you, how do you teach these VAs how to run the business? Um, but also how do you have, how do you build up a library of instruction videos and, uh, and all of that, it's, it's, it's nuts how, how, how she was able to do that with, with her, with her partner, Erica. And so I'm super excited to, uh, to learn from her. I think, uh, I think right now is a good time for everyone to really focus on your, uh, on your organization, on your business and see where you can make it more efficient. Um, and so I think, uh, VAs is a, is a, is a great way to, um, to free up some time for yourself so that you can focus on the higher level things, the core, the core values, the core business tasks that only you as an owner, as a business owner can do. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, it's going to be solid, man. I think, uh, you know, obviously because of the times that we're in learning how to hire a virtual staff company, lean out your, lean out your team, your expenses and build systems. I think not only do we need to understand that now, but we're going to need to put all that in place for the future. Cause I think this whole virtual world, um, is just going to continue to grow, especially in our space. So we wanted to bring in an expert to kind of, kind of help as many people as possible with that. So, um, yeah, so we're going to dive into that. That's for our inner circle members. Um, so that's next Tuesday. Um, for anyone who's not in the inner circle that wants access to that training, uh, you can just go to strprofitacademy.com forward slash thrive. Um, and then that'll lead you to the page where you can actually uh, get involved in the inner circle. Uh, but yeah, we had um, Anton on this week. We have Erica on next week. And then the following week, we're having Mark Simpson on to teach us how to build out direct booking websites and how to actually drive traffic to your direct booking website 
uh, away from all the big OTA. So the inner circle trainings are going to be killer this week. And then we'll do, uh, do our best to kind of drip out some, some, uh, some tips from that into the profit club and our other channels. So, uh, but yeah, that's coming up. Thanks. Uh, thanks again for, uh, having me on the podcast, man. This, uh, this was awesome. I think, you know, we're getting in the rhythm for everyone who's listening is that these Thursday podcasts are really just like, a uh, uh, Joe Rogan style podcast, if you will, just kind of talking about a few topics, seeing where the conversation goes, seeing what we, uh, what we can bring to the audience. And then we stream it live inside the profit club so we can interact with some, uh, some people, um, live. So yeah, super excited about it. Um, and until next time, we'll, uh, we'll chat soon. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, Thanks for taking the lead on this a little bit on this episode because I'm so jet lagged. So <laughs> I'm just sitting here like a zombie almost. So, uh, but yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it's really fun to do these uh, to do these episodes on Thursday and uh, of course on Monday. Every Monday at 10 a.m. we do uh, just like always. Uh, I do an interview with uh, with an expert. Uh, so we're gonna have a lot of uh, interesting people uh, come up. Um, so yeah, lots of good stuff. So thank you for uh, thank you for doing this as well. And uh, thanks for the audience uh, for listening. Thanks for the people who uh, watch us in the Airbnb Profit Club. Thanks for commenting everything. This uh, makes it really fun for us as well to engage in, in, uh, and, and talk about what, what you guys are commenting. So thanks, everybody, and uh, until Monday.